Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in the book of Joshua. We're coming to the end of the book of Joshua today. And I have loved this book. I've loved studying it. I've loved teaching it. I know God's been speaking to us and ministering ministering to us in and through it. And um, last weekend, I had the the privilege of uh, going to a couple of places and preaching and sharing and uh, got to spend some time with some dear friends down in Ballarat. And we were talking about Joshua because we're studying Joshua and it just was something that I wanted to talk about with them. Uh, And we got to talking about what it, like if you had to sum it up, in just a couple of words, what was it? And I said, oh, that's, that's easy. It's, this, it's the story of, of remembrance. It's the story of memorial stones, but ultimately it's, it's a story of legacy. And she said this really interesting thing. She goes, Dave, I don't ever wanna leave a legacy. Legacy's not my thing. I'm not interested in leaving a legacy. And I was like, oh, you don't understand what legacy is. I was like, everybody leaves a legacy. Because the word legacy, it literally means imprint. And I think one of the best, the best examples I can think of, you know, like it's really, it's been cold and wet. Who's excited for some summer? And come on, you know, when we, you know, when you go to the beach in summer and you, you run out and it's that really like piping hot, white, super soft sand and you're like, ah, 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 as you run along. And then you get to that sand that it's not fully wet, but it, you can tell that it's been, it's been wet and it's sort of that damp sand. And when you step on it, it leaves about, you know, just a couple of sand with the perfect footprint. Anybody with me there? And doesn't matter how old you are, you always like, can I make the perfect footprint as I walk? Anybody? I'm like the only person who does that. <laughs> I was like, that, that's kind of what legacy means. It means to leave an imprint on the earth, to leave a a mark. And the thing about legacy, everyone will leave a mark. Everybody leaves an imprint. The question is, is it an imprint that's worth following? Is it an imprint? I think of me when I was a kid and my dad would be walking along the beach and all I wanted to do was walk behind him and try and put my feet in his footprints. Anybody? I just wanted to... See, you know, his foot seems so big. I'm like, look how tiny my foot is compared to that footprint. And I wanted to put one foot right where he'd put his. And now in life, when we're down at the beach, my kids are doing the same thing. And so the question is about legacy. We're all gonna leave an imprint. Is it an imprint that is worth following, that that others want to follow? Or is it an imprint that people look and go, I don't wanna be anything like that and turn and go the other way? And the book of Joshua is all about this idea of legacy. It's all about this idea of being uh, a people who will leave a mark. And all through it, we've seen memorial stone after memorial stone where God does something and Joshua's like, hey, here's the sign of the legacy that God has left for us. This is what God has done. And then the call of God is now, now go and follow, go and do, go and respond, go and act accordingly because of what He has done. Then the next thing happens and what does He do? It's another memorial stone. It's another mark. It's another imprint on the earth to say, look what God has done. Go and follow, go and respond, go and act. And it's all through the book. And as we come to chapter 23 
and 24, where we arrive is Joshua's valedictory speech. It's the final word. Now, anyone who's been involved in educational institutions know the valedictory speech is a big deal. And I know where, where I used to teach at the end of every year would have the big final valedictory service at Adelaide Town Hall. And it was usually a departing staff member who got to stand up and give the final word to the leaving students, this final encouragement. And I remember when I, when I resigned to take on the church, I was like, I can't wait for this speech. I was so like, I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna let them have it. And then the head of school resigned and I was like, well, now my opportunity's gone, isn't it? <laughs> She's going to get to do the speech. And of course she did. And she did a great job. But I was like, if you had the chance to stand in front of anybody with a final word, that final message, that valedictory to say, this is the last thing that I'm going to tell you, the last word I'm going to bring, what would it be? And Joshua brings an absolute perler. It's an unbelievable final speech. And that's where we're going today. So turn your Bibles to chapter 23. Now we're not gonna read all of it together. So I'm gonna give a little summary as we jump and explain as we go. So let's start in 23. We'll read one through three. We'll jump over to six. We'll read for a bit and then we'll follow the story as we go. Joshua's farewell to the leaders. Chapter 23, verse one. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges and officials, so everybody, and said to them, I am very old. (laughs) Thanks, Joshua. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. Oh, that's good. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Verse six, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Now people, what does that remind you of? Be very strong, be careful to follow all that Moses said. What does that remind you of? Week one, week one of this series, be strong and courageous. Joshua's repeating what was spoken over him. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven them out before you, great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as He promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Verse 14, now I am going, now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed. So he, he gives this first part of the speech, but guess what? He's not done. Because then what he does is he takes everybody and he goes to this place called Shechem. Everyone say Shechem. And Shechem is the place of the tabernacle. 
Shechem is the place where the presence of God resides, that tabernacling presence of God. So he takes him from where he is and he goes to a really significant, important place. What's he trying to do? He's trying to say, okay, I've said all this stuff and it's really important. Now, what I'm about to say, this is really, really, really important because I'm saying it in the presence of God. We're at Shechem. I'm about to deliver this word. Go to 24 from verse 14 to 15. And he says this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Get ready for the most famous passage, probably the top 10 most famous passages in all of Scripture. But as for me and my house, we will... Oh, that's pathetic, Hills Baptists. But as for me and my house, come on, that's better. He just lets it rip. What an amazing thing. But then he's still not done. There's one more thing to do. Follow this, 24, jump over to verse 26 to 28. Joshua recorded all these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. So the tabernacle's near a huge oak tree and he takes a stone and he puts it there and he says, see, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people each to their own inheritance. So Joshua's given this speech. He's this beautiful valedictory. He's reminding them of everything that God has done. He's reminding them of God's faithfulness. He's reminding them of God's promises. And then he just makes this declaration, like choose this day who you're gonna follow. He goes, my house, we're gonna follow the Lord. And then the bit we skip, the people are like, we'll follow the Lord too. Do you know what he says to them? He goes, no, you won't. Like, no, we will. And he goes, no, you won't. He's like, no, we will. He goes, he's too holy. You won't. You can't do it. And they're like, we will, we will. And he goes, okay. And then what he does is he goes hunting and he finds a big stone. Lift with your knees, not with your back. And he places that stone under an oak tree, which is a symbol of strength and endurance, by the holy place of God, which is a symbol of obviously the presence of God with the people of God. And he says, see this stone? If you can't see that stone, you can stand up at the back. This is a witness. This is a memorial stone. You've seen them before. You've seen them all through my life. This is a witness between you and God. This stone has heard everything. This stone heard what I said. It heard the the remembrance. 
and I heard your promises to follow him and here it will stand. And it was probably a bit bigger than this one because it's not going anywhere. This stone will serve as that witness. Now go, go and go about your lives because it's time for me to go home. What a speech. What an incredible speech. But what does it mean for us today? What does this stone, not this literal stone, but this, the stone it represents, us today, 2022, what's the witness? And as we look at this passage, there's a few things I wanna draw out of it that I think are so relevant for us today. And the first thing is this, because God is faithful, because God has been faithful to all of His promises, the first thing that this stone would speak to us is a call to surrendered service. A call to surrendered service. Go back to Joshua 23. From verse six, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. 24 verse 14, we read it. Now, fear the Lord and what? Serve Him with all what? Faithfulness. It's a call to obedience. Why is it a call to obedience? See, this is the thing that we miss so often in the church is, is people, I meet people who, who don't follow the Lord, not Christian people, like it's just a bunch of rules, a bunch of laws that you have to abide by. The thing is what they're missing is the stone. And I'm not now just talking about this stone, but I'm talking about the stone that it speaks to, the rock that it speaks to, which is the rock of ages. This stone is a prophetic picture. Joshua lays this as that prophetic picture of the rock who would come, the presence of God, strong and secure, that will never be moved, that will never be shaken, that will never be thrown down, the stone that will last forever. And because of Him, Jesus Christ, if you haven't picked that up yet, Jesus Christ, the rock of ages, the stone the builders rejected that has become the capstone, the cornerstone, because of Him, now live a life of surrendered service. It is not because you have to do stuff in order to be approved or by God or to please God. No, He is pleased with you because He is pleased with the finished work of Christ. But that finished work of Christ should leave us in awe and wonder and complete like sold out, abandoned going, look what He has done. And the problem we have today is we're not looking at the stone. We're looking at everything else. We don't look to the rock. We don't look to Christ. That's why Paul says over and over again, look unto Jesus. Because when the church's eyes are on Christ, not my circumstance, my life will look different. I will fear the Lord because I realise that my life without Him is destined to death. We need to be very clear about that. You cannot save yourself. In fact, let me go back. You need saving. How many of you know you need saving? You can't save yourself. You are not perfect. God is holy. It's what Joshua spent 23 reminding us of. He's holy, He's glorious, He's magnificent. They're like, we're gonna follow Him. He goes, no, you're not. You haven't got it yet. He's holy, He's glorious. They're like, yeah, we'll follow Him. No, you haven't got it yet. 
You don't see Him in His glory. Like He is too much for us. There is no way we can follow Him unless He comes to draw us to Himself. And so He comes and He does. And He laid His life down and in so doing became the cornerstone of our faith, our hope. And here's the reality, like it, it talks, the Word talks to us and it says that Christ is the solid rock on which we stand. So there are days for us, I hope I can actually do this without falling off. There are days when we're like this. We feel pretty good, yeah? Like, yeah, I'm strong, living a life of surrendered service. You know, I'm following Him. He's good, but then the reality is His life comes along. Sometimes life wobbles us around. Sometimes our eyes get off of Him and it feels a little bit more like this. I'm okay. I got Him. And sometimes we're like this, please Jesus. And then sometimes life's pulling us so hard that we're like this, like just, I just need to hold on to you. And what we forget is that our faith is not dependent upon our feelings, but it's dependent upon the fact that He hasn't moved. He is immovable. He is true. And so though we look at the world and we see circumstances and we might say, man, where is God? It's like, look unto Christ. Look to the stone the builders rejected. He hasn't moved. He is who He says He is. He is now seated with the Father. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and His job is not finished. Sometimes we think that Jesus sort of did the work on the cross, died, ascended, sent the Spirit. Now He's just chilling up there with mojitos and the Father. But He's not. It says that He is interceding at the right hand of the Father, which means He is there every moment of eternity praying for each one of us that no matter what the circumstances are, whether we feel like we're lying there being dragged away and we're reaching for Him, not sure where He is, or whether we feel strong in that faith, He is praying that we would be strengthened in our inner being. He is praying as Paul prays to the the Ephesian church that we would have power together with all the saints to know the love of God in Christ Jesus because that's what keeps us here. Understanding what He has done. And I've come to a profound revelation in my life and ministry that there's actually nothing I can do or say that is going to convince you of anything. No matter how charismatic, intelligent, whatever I am, I've just realised I can bring what I think is an awesome word and you can go home and be like, whatever, got nothing. And it's a beautiful place to be because it causes me to be on my knees praying, say, God, it's only by your Spirit. So what I have to do is bring the Word and trust the Holy Spirit to enliven that Word, that you would have power together with all the saints to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God in Christ Jesus. And when you grasp it, when we see our own sinfulness, our fallenness, our utter depravity, and our 
utter, complete need for salvation. When we see it, everything changes. Because I can no longer look upon the Son of God as just a religious pastime. I can no longer look upon the Son of God as a nice idea. He will become my all in all because He's all I have. I heard a preacher once and she's a preacher that people get sometimes a bit upset about, but she said a great line. She said, God doesn't want much, just your everything. Like, doesn't she, he, doesn't, he doesn't want that much because when we understand who He is and who we are, we realise that our everything is nothing. I'm the dust of the earth. I'm here today. I'm gone tomorrow. I'm just a breath of wind. Like that, that's literally all we are. And He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the supreme being in all creation, the one that everyone's knee will bow. And when we realise that when I die and I give Him everything, I gain Christ. Come on, somebody. Like Paul says, oh. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Like he says, I've considered everything lost that I might gain Christ because everything is nothing and He is literally everything. So I die to self and I live that life of surrendered service because He's worthy of my everything. And this is what Joshua wants us to know at the end of the book. First point, just it's all about Him. So live a life of surrendered service. And that surrendered service will lead us to a second thing. It will lead us to a life of humble boldness. Come here, chapter 23, let's go again. Verse six, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the Lord. Don't turn aside to the right or to the left. Jump to verse nine, watch this. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as He promised. So be very careful. (laughs) Be very careful to love the Lord. You can jump over to chapter 24 and you're gonna see the same thing. Verse 12, I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord. And serve him. The point is that when we understand that he's the one who does the work, there can be no boasting. Like there's no mistaking who God is, who's the one who did the work, who's the one who won the battles, who's the one who got us through, who's the one who held on to us when we were lying, reaching out, wondering if God was ever gonna come through. He is the one who is faithful and just and true. He is the one who delivers us. So he goes, there's no boasting in this, but also there's a boldness that comes with it. Because if he's the one who fights our battles, then when he says go, we can step out in faith, yes? 
because I go, man, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the ability. I can't make this happen in my own strength. And he goes, yes, exactly. Now go and watch me work. Yeah, I wanna use you. You're a vessel, but there'll be no boasting. You just go in humble boldness. You just obey me, you fear me, you step out in faith through me and watch what I do. And I will glorify my own name. And as we've read through Joshua, that's been the key that he wants to glorify his own name, not ours. He doesn't care, well, he does care about David Shepherd, but he doesn't care about David Shepherd's name. He doesn't care about our, I've said this in previous sermon, he doesn't care about our reputation, he cares about his own. He loves us and, he, and he, he desires to have intimate relationship with us, but he is on about his own name and his own fame and his own glory. And he's looking for a people who will stand up and have that boldness to say, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. So I will go and be his hands and feet on the earth. We are called to be faithful. But more than that, we are called to be faith-filled. Yes, faithful, but faith-filled. Why? Because He is the one who's done the work. So we're called to live a life of surrendered service, laid out, dying to self, saying, yes, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. We're called to live a life of humble boldness. This is what we have seen. But there's something really significant that we actually don't see in the pages of Joshua, but we have to turn the page into the book of Judges. So let's do that now. Because sometimes the lesson of Scripture is not what's written in Scripture, but what's not written in Scripture. Watch this, go to Judges chapter two, something fascinating, verse six to 11. How you going church? Verse six to 11, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Now watch this, verse 10. Listen up. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. I read that and that shocked me. Does that annoy anybody else? This entire generation, Joshua's just given this speech, serve the Lord. They're like, we will. He's like, no, you won't. They're like, yes, we will. He goes, here's a stone of remembrance, trust in Him. And then Joshua and his generation pass away and it says, up grew a generation that neither knew the Lord nor served Him, nor feared Him. That concerns me deeply. 
And it worries me for a few things. One, this generation lived literally in one of the most miraculous times in history. They saw God doing incredible thing after incredible thing after incredible thing. And yet the very next generation, their children neither knew the Lord. They didn't even know the Lord. Something's gone drastically wrong. Somewhere along the line, they stopped telling the story. Somewhere along the line, they stopped looking to the stones. And they realised it's not just about the stones, it's about spiritual sons and daughters. You see, it can't just be about living a life of, of that surrendered service and humble bondage. It has to be living a life of intentional discipleship. That we actually have to be looking to the next generation to raise that generation up. That we have to be recognising it's not about me and what I want. It's not about me just basking in the glow of my own thing. No, God is the God of generations. God is the God of, the, of a people, of the church. And He wants to see the next generation rise up who know Him and who fear Him. This is what it said at the beginning of the book of Joshua, that God did this so that they would know that the Lord is powerful and fear Him all of their days. Here's the question. Are we raising sons and daughters? Are we just calling people to look, to remember, or are we intentionally raising up out of that remembrance? Who are we discipling? Who are we raising up? And it's not just my job, it's not just the staff's job. If you are a Christian, it is your job. It is all of our job to raise up the next generation in the way they should go. It is our job, everyone's job, to have someone speaking into your life, discipling you and to let that flow in through and out of you, discipling somebody else. This is why I love an intergenerational church because this is what church is supposed to be. One generation feeding into the next, into the next, into the next. This is why I love that in our children's ministry, we're starting to see like year sixes, year sevens, now leading year twos and threes, because it's about intentional discipleship. You learn best when you teach. So you get a year six and you say, it's not enough for you just to sit and listen anymore. You now need to teach. And as you teach, no matter how simple your understanding might be, you will grow, you will seek God, you will begin to raise up. It's why I love the fact that in our youth ministry, we've got year 12 starting to become junior leaders, getting sowing into that next generation. Everybody needs to be sowing into somebody. Otherwise, we run the risk of a Joshua and Israel moment. You see, Moses had an aid and it was Joshua. Who's Joshua's aid? Joshua gave him an oath, but he didn't give him an heir. And we must be very careful that we don't just espouse things, but we live them out. That we don't just say, remember this, remember this, but we actually embody that remembrance. Let's not be a people who say stuff and do something else. Let's live the life that we are called to. Let's be that people who are living surrendered service bearing witness of our lives, standing on the solid rock of Christ. This hope, you know, this, this anchor that is our hope. Who are we discipling? Who are we raising up? Look around for one second. Just look around. 
Imagine in the next 12 months, if every single person discipled one person into faith, that there was one person in our midst who neither knew the Lord nor feared Him, but God had put them on our heart and we started to pray for them. We started to invest in them. We started to share the gospel with them. Just imagine what would happen. Sometimes I think we get intimidated by the call. Sometimes I think we hear that call of, you know, be strong and courageous and let's go build the kingdom of God. And we're all like, oh, I can't do it. And it's true, you can't. But what you can do is share the love of Christ with one person. One person. Let me show you, let me show you something. This is something we talk about with our team. We call this the leadership square. You ready for this? Let's put it up there. A simple idea. But it begins with this idea that God has called us, right, to be His hands and feet. And so each one of us are called, let's put that next one up there, to identify a person of peace in our lives. Now that might be a child, it might be a friend, it might be a parent, it might be anybody. But we're actually called to genuinely be seeking out who is God bringing into our midst who we can invest in, who we can love, who we can send a text message during the week and say, hey, Yon, let's have a coffee. If you don't drink coffee, let's have a peppermint tea. I don't know. But let's be identifying people. And then when we're identified, you're seeking. Then we go to this next phase, which is to invite. Invite them to do some life with you. And this idea of watch me live. You know what Paul says? He goes, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. That's intimidating, yes? Because we're gonna make mistakes. But do you know what one of the best things about making mistakes are when someone is like watching you is it shows that you're real that life is real and you get to then grow together and you don't have to be perfect. Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for abandoned people. He's looking for a people who would die to self and His grace and mercy flow through. So we invite, we say, watch, watch me, like do life with me. And then that third one is we actually invest and we begin to invite them to, if we're doing ministry or whatever it is, come and do ministry with me not just watching me now, but come and serve with me. I'm gonna take you under my wing. I'm gonna give you a little bit of that responsibility. We're gonna grow together. And then the last one we talk about, it took me ages to come up with an I word because I like everything to start with the same letter. And you know that. But to install, to release, to empower, to say, now you go and do the same. How many of you know that Jesus did this? Jesus had His three, He had His 12, He had His 72, then He had His crowd. Here's a way you can look at it. Who's in your car? You can fit about three people in your car. Who are you living life closely with? And who of those don't know the Lord? Who's in your car? Then who's in your minibus? You can't do life as closely with the minibus as you can the car but you're still sowing and investing. And how many of them are not Christian, do not know the Lord? And then there's the big bus, which takes you, you know, the touring bus, 72. A closer, broader community, 
Who are we investing in? The leadership square. Christ has called His church to be leaders, to be intentionally discipling others. This is what the book of Joshua is about. It's a call to the church that we would be a people who live a life of surrendered service, who are laid out before Him because of all that He has done, who live a life of humble boldness, that we pick up the call of God and we walk by faith and we say, yes, Lord, we're gonna step into Your promises. But more than that, to learn from what they missed, to learn from what they didn't do, yeah? Learn from their mistakes and not allow it to be said of Hills Baptist Church that after they went the way of all the earth, that the next generation neither knew Him nor feared Him or followed Him. May that not be said of us, amen? Because we are on a mission. We have been given spiritual rest. We have been given hope. We have been given joy. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness in Christ. Everything is from Him. And so my life says, therefore, I wanna pass that on. We're not given a treasure to hold that treasure like this. We're supposed to shine that treasure to the world. We're not given spiritual gifts. We go, woohoo, look at my gift. I'm gonna go open it in my bedroom and not let anyone see it. The gift is for sharing for releasing, for impartation, so that the world will know that there is a rock that is not moving, that is our hope for a hopeless generation. That there is a rock that we can stand on in a world of shifting sands. That there is a peace, that there is a joy, that there is a strength, that no matter what comes my way, I am secure because of all that He has done. Because there is a cross that splits time. So church, we're gonna do something a little different right now. And you will see some tables with some stones. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna invite everyone here to a moment to pause, to pray and to think, who am I discipling? Who's on my heart to sow spiritual seeds? Who am I praying for that just maybe 12 months from now, they might be sitting right next to you, arms like this, thanking Jesus for all they've done. He has done. And we're gonna take this stone and there's Sharpies and you're gonna write their name on it. You're gonna have to clean it first because, you know, it's a little bit dirty. Write the name on it. Then when you go home, don't chuck it in the garden. Put it somewhere where you're gonna see it every day. So whether that's in the kitchen, in the bathroom, I don't know, wherever you know that every day that name is gonna sit there. But it's not a piece of paper, it's a stone. It's a memorial stone reminding you, reminding us that God is the one building His church, 
that God is the one who parted the waters of the Jordan, that God is the one who made the walls of Jericho fall down, that God is the one who delivered the nations into Israel's hands, that God is the one who builds His kingdom, that God is the one who dealt with the issue of sin and death, that God is the one who sent His Spirit to establish His church, that God is the one who is coming again, come on somebody, on clouds of glory to roll up the heavens like a scroll, that He is more than able to do immeasurable more than we hope or imagine. He is who He says He is. He is Yahweh. And because of that, I can faithfully come knowing this stone is not moving, that this is that precious cornerstone as it says in the book of Isaiah and 1 Peter. He's not moving. So I'm gonna pray in faith and I'm gonna believe that He's gonna impart faith in this person's heart and He's gonna bring them from death to life And if He chooses to use me, I know, Lord, I'm weak, but You are strong. Help me in my unbelief and my weakness. Let it be a reminder in the same way that this was a reminder to Israel, yeah? So we're gonna sing and you've got the next few minutes to respond however you please. And I think we have enough rocks and I think we have enough texters. So take a moment. We'll pray and then it's between you and Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Loving Heavenly Father. We thank You that You are good. We thank You for the book of Joshua, Lord. We thank You for all that You teach us. We thank You that You are the one who has been faithful to every single one of Your promises. Every one of Your promises. And Lord, I don't know where people are at here. Some of them feel strong. Some of them feel like they're barely hanging on. But let the stone, Jesus Christ, the capstone. Let us look to Him today and remember that every single one of His promises He has fulfilled. He is faithful so we can be faith-filled. We love You, Lord. Stir our hearts, Lord. Encourage us, Lord. Lead us, Lord, we pray. Lead us, Lord, we pray. I pray for those right now who are feeling weak. May they see You, Lord. May they have a fresh revelation of Your love. May they see Your hands and they see Your feet and they see Your side pierced for their transgressions. May they see Your faithfulness to them and be reminded afresh of how good you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your people, build your church, expand your kingdom. Come Lord Jesus, we long to see you glorified 
We long to see those lives transformed and in so doing that the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ would be revealed to the ends of the earth. Here we are, Lord. Send us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.